0: I'm impacted by John Wesley's statement. He says, I live and pray as if the Lord coming back today, but I plan as if he's not coming for a hundred years. Yeah. And so we should be ready. We should there's be urgency. prepared. Yeah. When we look at the sun and said, hey, could that be it? And if there's not, that's fine. We still haven't lost anything. We purified ourselves as he is pure. We waited. We walked in the sanctification in expectancy of the return of Christ.
1: Well, today it is a fantastic privilege to have one of our most repeat guests on because this guest won't stop writing books. (laughs) And um, it's always a privilege to have you on, Dad. Thank you for taking the time out of your impossibly busy schedule to come and talk to us about your newest book pleasure can i ask how do you do it even when i was in australia and my boss used to say your father is so prolific he puts out so much material yeah you're a machine
0: well the secret is you don't sleep at night
1: (laughs) (laughs) there it is folks yeah four hours
0: is all you need really yeah so that's a Surgeon General's warning? or uh? No, that's uh, – in fact, a very prominent evangelical global leader one time said to my daughter, your sister, he said, I'm jealous of your father. And when I found out, I said, what in the world are you jealous about? He said, I have to have nine hours sleep. Just think what I've accomplished if I only had four. And this man is more accomplished than anybody I know in my life, time or even beyond – but anyway, yeah, lack of sleep is good. Uh, it keeps you uh, thinking about ideas and uh, concepts. And uh, and I still have about uh, a dozen or so in the hopper. And um, as long as publishers keep calling me and said, uh, you know, mm. what do you have in the back of your mind? And I give them some ideas and they said, okay, we like this one. We like this one. Why don't you do this one? Uh, but this particular book that we're going to be talking about today is really came out of a series of sermons originally mm-hmm. uh, where I felt sort of convicted with all the stuff that's going around us. And I began to see it you in know, in not only through the prism of my lifetime but the, through the prism of the fact that I lived in three different continents and I have experienced uh, the world in a way very few people understand. And so when people cannot understand me, I said, well, I understand that you cannot understand me. Mm-hmm. Because if you grew up with my background and experiences I've had, and mm-hmm. good and bad, many of it is bad. But
1: the you Lord will, redeemed it.
0: It redeemed it all. And you will understand why I have such uh, passion, why I have uh, such uh, intensity. Mm -hmm. about these days we're living in as being very different from anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes.
1: Yeah. And the book is Is the End Near? And I love the subtitle which is highlighted and emphasized on the cover what Jesus told us about the last days. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're writing out of your experience and the passion of your heart and the things that you've seen across continents. But I think... Am I right in assuming that you're also writing because, I mean, everyone and their brother has written an End Times book. Right. And they have not all been helpful.
0: No. And they're not biblical, some of them.
1: Uh, <laughs> right. Which is why I love that you highlight like Jesus. This yeah. is going to be what Jesus told us, not what <laughs> Dr. me did. Yeah,
0: and, but even your audience, if any of them have followed Leading the Way anywhere closely, they would know – even though I've been preaching for more than 50 years now, I am not an end-time preacher. I don't preach on the end times. I don't have charts. I don't get into Gog and Magog and Armageddon and so forth. Right. You know, as said, oh, well, just another book yeah. from Michael Yusuf about the end times. They can't say that because this is my first. Yeah. And it comes straight out of the heart of Jesus, not taking a passage from Ezekiel and a passage from Daniel and a passage from Jeremiah and stick them together and come up with a theory of the return of Christ.
1: Make them say something it doesn't say.
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, we force our own ideas on the text. Now, that's not me. And uh, those of who have heard me for any length of time know that that's not me. I want to say and I want to study and I want to proclaim only what Jesus said. And so as I saw particularly one specific sign, and that is the people turning their back on the faith. I'm not talking about the atheists and agnostics and the people who don't believe anything. Apostasy. I'm talking about apostasy, which is a big word. Some people say, what does that mean? Well, I'm turning away from the faith. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, particularly verse 9, he said, they're going to deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and uh, you will be hated. By all nations, uh, for my name's sake. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say, and then many will fall away. Oh, my goodness. Many will fall away. Well, I have read history. I know there are periods of time when some people fall away. This falling away is just becoming like the pandemic. I mean, this is worse than COVID-19. Yeah. It's a rash. It's just going through the the flock, or at least those who are professing Christians. And somebody said, it's now very fashionable to say, I'm going through deconstruction. Yeah. Well, that's just a sanitized word for... Turning you back on Jesus, turning you back on the faith, and Jesus said here, verse ten, I said, and "Then many will fall away." They may have even preached the gospel, they believe the gospel, they went to Bible believing churches, but then they turned their back on it, and that is the sign. For me, I have six in the book, mm-hmm. six labor pains that Jesus talks about. Mm-hmm. I don't make them up; he says that. Yeah. But this one specifically. And next to it is, of course, the gospel of the kingdom. He says this, and then the gospel of the kingdom, verse 14 of Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. In Greek, that's ta ethna, mm. and then the end will come. Mm. And so <laughs> we're involved as you have been since your literally out of college, and we're involved in this ministry of taking the gospel to ta ethna, mm-hmm. and with 30 of the most spoken languages yeah. and beyond. And so, as we see the gospel preached all over the globe, and then as we see, particularly in the West, people are falling away from the church. All the statistics have said that after COVID-19, 30 percent 30% of church goers. I'm not talking about yeah. people who never went to church. Church goers are yeah, not coming true. back to church.
1: Yeah, and a lot of churches are closing.
0: A lot of churches are closing, and they're doing streaming, and it's a lot easier to just get on there and yeah. and you stream a, a, a sermon and a song. But the problem is that now we're seeing these things are coalescing together. Yeah. So are the labor pains, and you have to remember, You've been through it twice. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah. you know, we've seen it 11 times some with the grandchildren.
1: Some are quicker.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then you know that if these labor pains are becoming closer and closer in intervals, you better get to the hospital. Yeah. And this is what Jesus is saying. For the believers, he's speaking to the believers. You see, for the professing Christians, whom I call the five of the ten virgins who don't have oil in their lamp. These are the professing Christians. Yes, It's going to be a th- like a thief in the night. It's going to surprise them. Yeah. It's going to shock them. But for those of us who are waiting for the return of the Lord, who are praying every day, come Lord Jesus. Celebration. We see these intervals getting closer and closer. We know that the baby is about to be born. Yeah. The big event is about to happen. So there's a couple of
1: things here. Sure. Um, even in just looking at this text, it's it's that that they will betray one another, they yep. will hate, hate one another, yep. which is we know from James, I think it is yep. that you can't hate your brother. Right. But these are signs yeah. of what you're talking about. They were not of us, right? right. They've departed from right. us. Right. That's First John, but we're seeing it in mass quantity. And it, it, you know, I guess my question is: yeah. Do we think that those departures from the faith, so to speak. There's two layers to this I want to ask you, so I yeah. want to be careful how I phrase it. Sure. One, I think some people might think, is it just because you know we have social media and it's more in our face, right. it's more in you know We're more headlines. informed
0: about it. it right. Yeah. So
1: some people might say, maybe this has always been happening. Sure. And we're just reading about it more now. Right. What would you say about
0: that? Well, I mean, we would have read about it in history. Sure. But there's always been element of non-believers mm. and uh, anti-Christian belief in the West, in, in what we call Christendom. Yes. But that's different from people who were in the church. There were, even back then, if you remember, um, in the 1800s, and when the Church of England becomes so stale, yes. they used to talk about people are not committed to Christ. Yes, but they go into church. They never denied the faith. Mm. They believe the basics. Yeah. So you go to every period of history— even during the medieval, when there's so much superstition, yeah. they, they still believed in Jesus. They didn't turn their back. They had an extra biblical material. They yeah. they believed in all kinds of the church and the pope and so on. But nonetheless, the turning your back after you know Christ and you proclaim Christ, you believe Christ, then you say, "Well, I'm no longer a believer." So that is the apostasy he's talking about. And then he goes on to twenty four twenty four. That's Matthew twenty four twenty four. Yeah. And he talks about even if it's possible, I mean, it's going to be so bad that even some of the elect and now consider those probably the non-discerning elect who are going to be sucked in by the Antichrist and the miraculous and the miracles and the impact and the power of the Antichrist. And one of the things, Jonathan, is that, that really resonated with me and motivated me to write this book is during the COVID-19 pandemic. I saw this rise of authoritarianism Mm -hmm. and uh, almost dictatorship within Western democracy. As you know, you lived in Australia, and they were telling me that if you are seen five miles away from your home, you get arrested and fined, and you go to jail. Uh, And this was just a sample. In Canada— They would arrest a pastor who opened the – didn't have people in the church. He just opened the door. They put him in jail. And on and on and on. And so that rise of that authoritarianism and the people's willingness to acquiesce – That tells me that the world is being prepared for the Antichrist when he comes and he says, I'm bringing you peace. I'm bringing you prosperity. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what we want, right? And we're going to fall right in line.
1: That raises the question of assurance of salvation, which I know you talk about in the book. Sure. Right? Because now it's, could I be deceived? Or have I been deceived? Or, you know, people are going to be wrestling with that. Sure, of course. But we know that. Christ gives us confidence to the believers that they are secure in his hands. So how do you walk that through in light of the end
0: times prophecies? Sure. Jesus here again in Matthew 24 says that those who remain faithful to the end, okay? How many times he says that? Mm -hmm. Those who remain faithful to the end. But the same token, you have to accept the whole Bible. You can't take bits and pieces. Jesus said in John chapter 6, that those whom the Father has given me, I will lose none. Mm. And that is why he was saying, even if the impossibility become possible, where some of the elect be deceived, mm. you know be careful because that's how bad is going to be. But nonetheless, my confidence is that those whom the Father has given me, Jesus said, I will lose none. that mm. so those belong to him, those who are the elect of God will not. Be lost, yeah, even if they may be misled for a period of time, they will come back,
1: yeah it's why warning passages are still in scripture because the heart of the believer who has the Holy Spirit is yeah. responding to those things and hearing them and 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 then being transformed and and living that out,, yeah. but we do need to be careful with ourselves, of course, the other thing I you know that kind of comes up in, in thinking all this is that from the beginning. Yes. I mean, even the Apostle Paul thinks that the end times is right around the corner. Exactly. And then we think of passages like Second Peter where it's yep. you know, oh they've been saying this since the beginning and yep. you know, it's 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 That's not right. gonna come. Yep. How do you address this well, in the book?
0: Uh, sure. I mean uh the the one thing you have to understand is when Paul was expecting the Lord's return. And in the book itself, I show how the disciples themselves, when they ask Jesus the question right. in Matthew 24, sitting across from the temple, yeah. and they ask the question, is this it? And he told them he's going to go to the cross. So that at least in their mind, said, well, he might go to the cross and might resurrect it and then come back. That will be the time to kick the Romans out of here. Right. And we have the kingdom and we are going to be cabinet, have right. cabinet yeah. position and yeah. we're going to be in glory. Ruling, yeah. Yeah, ruling and reigning in, on earth. Yeah. And so Jesus addresses that. And then when Paul thought he was, and then when he was about to die, he said to Timothy, now you look for the parousia, that's the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. You look for it. You may see it in your lifetime. And here's what this says to me. It says to me that every generation must look for the return of the Lord to come in their lifetime and live by that. So I tell people, I'm, I'm impacted by John Wesley's statement. He says, I live and pray as if the Lord coming back today, but I plan as if he's not coming for 100 years. Yeah. And so we should be ready. We there's should be urgency. prepared. Yeah, yeah, when we look at the sun and said, hey, could that be it? And if there's not, that's fine. We still haven't lost anything. Yeah. We purified ourselves as he is pure. We waited. We walked in the sanctification in expectancy of the return of Christ. But I do have problem with those who like those unfaithful servants who start saying the master's not coming back in the parable and start beating up the other servants. Right. Or like you quoted Peter saying, well, you know, they've been saying he's coming. it's coming. It's not coming. But the
1: days have kept on going yeah. like they always have. Yeah.
0: That's fine. And you know what? Even if he doesn't come, I'm going to go. Yeah. Everyone is listening to us right now. Every one of us are going to go. Face it, yeah. When Jesus said, when I prepare a place, I come and get you, there are some theologians saying that I will come and take you when you die right, and come to heaven with me yeah. where I prepared for you. Others take it as the return of Christ. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And I always say, either I'm going to him or he's coming <laughs> to get me. Either way, yeah. <laughs> yeah either way, uh, I'm happy. I'm I'm contented. I'm rejoicing because that's my home, and I'm going home.
1: And the promise is there, and and we and we take him at his word. Yep. Let's talk a little bit and thinking about and and I I think I see and feel this is the sort of the stereotypes of different generations yep. and their approach. Absolutely, and you could probably even attest to this early years yep. to now in your later years. Mm-hmm. You know, younger people look at. The idea of, end times, uh, return of Christ, it's it, it's very skeptical. They're skeptical of the supernatural. Sure. They don't want to be labeled as conspiracy theorists. Right. Uh, we certainly see that a lot. Yeah. And so the conversation might be along the lines of, do you really think Christ is actually going to come back? Yes. You know, do you actually think the world's going to be destroyed? I would think young people might see that through the lens of global warming. Yes. But how would you address the younger person with through that lens of skepticism?
0: Yeah. Al Gore said that 2004, we're going to be uh, fried by that. And he didn't think we're going to make it to 2004. That was right
1: after he invented the Internet.
0: (laughs) But here we are. And I remember when you all were young and one of your siblings, and I was talking about the return of the Lord. By the way, you shouldn't measure – Other people, by me, because I've always been waiting for the return of the Lord since I was 16. (laughs) But one of your siblings said, Oh, but uh, uh," this is years and years ago. I hope he doesn't come back until I get married, you know. I want to get married. Yeah. And then when you're 16 and you're thinking of the future and so on, Christ coming back, but you know how much better it is than yeah. marriage? Yeah. <laughs> and then they got married yeah. and thought. <laughs> when is the Lord coming back? Or okay. <laughs> yeah. you take do if you change diapers in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and then you pray. Come Lord Jesus became <laughs> a more common
1: phrase around the home. Yeah.
0: So, yes, I understand that. I do understand the younger generation, skepticism. I really do. And and I don't criticize it. I don't uh, undermine it. I fully understand it. Sure. I really do. But the question is, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to live your life if you got another 50 years, another 80 years? It doesn't matter. Yeah. How are you going to live those lives? Right. Is it in the light of eternity or are you going to live it? In the light of today, yeah, I certainly the word secular means this life, yeah. And so many preachers now are preaching secular Philosophy, gospel. Yeah. The life is is it here? Now on the flip side of that,
1: the older generation can sound alarmist, yeah. And you know, even with that, you're going to have categories of sure. of, of people who just, you know oh, these days are terrible days. Yeah. You know, as you talked about, it's uh, we've seen the pandemic and we've seen the, mm-hmm. you know, but some of the older generation doesn't have a hope in Christ, so yeah. it's actually, it manifests itself in fear. Mm-hmm. Those who do have Christ, they can kind of sound like they desire it um, maybe in an unhelpful way. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it in, rather, I'm not looking at it in terms of what you just described. Right. How am I going to live my life? And really... Almost the Ten Virgins parable of yep. telling them sure. giving the warning, but rather just sort of seeing it as just me and myself and sure. being wrapped up in that.
0: Yeah. Well, as you know, I quote C. S. Lewis a lot. And C. S. Lewis impacted me, of course, like a lot impact a lot of people. But the one thing he said, and he, he wasn't very old when he said it, but he was in the prime of his life that is is that if you look at history you're going to find that the people who were most effective in this life, yeah. the most effective people, were the ones who looked forward yeah. to eternity, you see. And he said, when you keep your eye on your eternity, you get earth thrown in. <laughs> you got a bonus. Right. So you live this life effective, contented, joyful, peaceful. Yeah. When you want to take, just focus on earth and this life, you lose both, heaven and earth. Mm. You're miserable here, yeah. and you'll be for eternity in torment. So, mm. I found that to be very comforting for a man who is a philosopher and uh, English literature expert, and but also loves the word of God. Mm. And if you look closely, you find that people like Wilberforce, and you go, "Oh, now I can name names forever," uh, who have impacted our world like very few people. In fact, even our modern generation never give Wilberforce the credit for single-handedly 40 years, lost his friends and his family, but for 40 years he fought to end the horror of slave trading. Mm. But nobody gives him credit for that. But that's okay. His credit is in heaven. But the reason he focused on making a difference in this life is because of his focus on Jesus and eternity. Yeah. And you go on and example of people like that throughout history.
1: Yeah, I think we understand the mindset of living for the return of Christ. Mm. Let's take this down to brass tacks and and talk about what does that look like practically on a day-to-day basis for your everyday believer?
0: Sure. Take a young couple with small children. How are they in their living impacting... The life of their children. Mm. How are they modeling Christ to their children? Mm. How are they walking by faith instead of sight? Mm. So that is their congregation. That's yeah. if they're pastors and they are pastors, yeah. uh, that's their congregation. And then you go into the stretch it to the neighborhood. Mm. How are they living the life as a light of Christ in their neighborhood? At work. Yeah. Are they join in with all the dirty jokes and uh, seeing things that other people see and do things other people do? Or they say, you know, I have a, a different way of living because of Christ in me and sort of be a light and a salt without, you know, flashing the light in somebody's eye, but being just a light wherever they are. Mm. And so I think that's living in the light of the eternity.
1: Is that how you would define being ready Absolutely. That's the definition of being ready.
0: Being ready is you working
1: yeah.
0: while you're waiting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when Jesus said, Occupy till I come, the word is very clearly not like Occupy Wall Street and those people kind of sit there and, right. yes. you know, <laughs> sing songs. And, uh, loitering. And loitering yeah. and, and doing all kinds loitering of Loitering till now, I come. Occupy means work. Yeah. Be working. Be diligent. Keep working. Keep working until I come. And so, we are occupying and taking new territories from Satan and to the kingdom of God.
1: Mm. Well, is there anything else about the book that you want future readers to know? Well, I think
0: there's something very important a lot of people miss about Matthew 24. Yes. I always point out to it because I see sometimes when articles are written about my book or something, then I like to read what people say. Right. And the amount of shared ignorance is appalling. (laughs) But there's sometimes genuine kind of ignorance. Uh, But if you read Matthew 24, and you're going to say, well, but Jesus really was talking about the fall of Jerusalem. Right, yeah, 70 AD. Yes, and it happened. It's taken place in detail, just as he predicted. Yeah. But what they miss... In this particular chapter, and I hope that everybody's going to read it and read it carefully, they're going to see two things. The, the disciples were asking two questions, and Jesus answered those two questions. Yep. He did not yep. avoid either of them. Yeah. So he said to them when they're talking about the temple, he said, not a stone be left on top of the other. And then he kept talking about, on that day, yeah. you escape. On that day, it's going to be so horrible, so horrible. Yeah. And we know from history, just, I mean, Josephus, in his description of the fall of Jerusalem, 70 A.D., it's the most—I I can't even continue reading it. It's so horrifying. But then he says, in those days, he said, now you ask me about what is immediately going to happen in the temple and what's going to happen immediately before my return. Right. So he makes a distinction on that day on those days, yes. on that day and those days. And so read it with that kind of prism in mind to see that Jesus is answering two different questions, and that way you won't get confused. No. And I make that clear in the book, how Jesus answering two questions by giving two answers to two questions.
1: You are a master salesman. You gave just enough information to get people to bite, and then... And then <laughs> And <laughs> then you reeled them in. Well, uh the book is available on your favorite retailer. We'll have links in the show notes. You can visit is the book.com and uh, that's the best way to find that. Yes, for Thank the time you. being. Yeah, for the time being. Yep. Thank you so much for taking the time. And next time we have you on, you'll have another book. Pleasure, Jonathan. Sure. Thank you for having me. And it is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you like today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our show notes for more information on resources from today's guest. As always... Thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.